Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Mara Dubois, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theater podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the siren from South Yorkshire that's become a household name with her fierce comedy skills and dazzling beauty. From television to stage, she's done it all and received standing ovations galore. Such is her star power. And now she's taking those powers on the road as she aims to heal the nation and spread her spirit to help support people like you, her admirers. So here, in an exclusive conversation as she tours the country having departed London with a series of sold-out shows, we talk about life on the road as a vision of healing with her Be Well tour, why her comedy is best served off the cuff and why there's no sound quite like that of a roaring live audience. Plus, we find out where her love of theatre first began, how she copes with uncooperative audience members that just don't want an up-close slice of the Dubois, and how she's hoping to touch you all this season. Ooh, strap in, as it is the beauty and the brains of Myra Dubois. Here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Myra and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. She is the internationally acclaimed comedy genius, style icon and global sex symbol that's giving you, a member of her great British public, the chance to see her in person from a distance in a location closer to your postcode as she tours the UK with her one woman show, Be Well. So strap in, I think there may be chaos about to ensue. As I say, hello, Myra Dubois, how are you? Sex symbol. Yes, do you Who put sex symbol on a press release? Excuse me, I have not clawed my way through show business to be objectified in such a manner. You've got a curriculum that I like mine in front of you and you choose to, if someone has a little shuffle to my pictures in the privacy of their own home, that's their business. But why am I meant to address it on a podcast, William? So I should say, most importantly, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're a woman who is travelling the globe and very much in demand. So thank you for taking just a small amount of your very busy schedule to talk to me today. I do appreciate you know, one of the things you left off that list of things I am, William, is philanthropist. And I'm always willing 
to lend a hand to those lower down the showbiz ladder than myself. And when I heard of your podcast, which not many people have, I said to my PR people, I said, let me on it. Let me lift them. Let me draw a little spotlight to their corner of the electric world. Is an 11 a number that you you feel an affinity to? Do you like the number 11? Where are you at? No, now I must ask, is this some conspiracy theory thing? I'm not on some 9-11 truth podcast, am I? No, uh, no I don't. No. All right, because I don't always do background checks, William. Tell me where the name 11 came from, William. What is this podcast? Is you it will... the 11 o'clock number in a theatre show? Do you know what? In one, straight in the hole, it is. As a woman who has been a leading lady and obviously starred in all the classics, you will know that everybody waits for your big number and, and that's exactly what it came you know from. What? We're not five minutes into this podcast and already I'm a sex symbol straight in the hole. I mean, I feel like you're selling your tour very well by just basically flirting with me. This. Oh, this isn't flirting William bless you men always think it's a yes don't they no William go on ask me some questions do your little podcast hosting thing go on okay I'm I'm now in podcast mode host gay mode okay yes you so, are yes, yes you are I'm... and you're doing a very good job of it William both your listeners will love this talk to me about going on tour because I had the pleasure just for a little bit of context of coming and seeing you live in a theatre as I said from a distance because you know you don't want to come too close to us at the Peacock Theatre this past weekend and I think I've just about recovered from the amount that I laughed. I embarrassed myself at one point that you did sort of pick on me in the audience and say, basically, shut the fuck up. So thank you for that. But I just had the best time. And I just didn't know that you were a woman with so many different talents, that you were an empath as well, that you had the ability to heal people's lives and to change them and better them. So I guess before we talk about specifics of the show, how many talents do you have? And I guess, did you know that you had such a healing gift? I think it would be vulgar of me to put a numerical value on my abilities. My talents as a mathematical equation, I think the limit is endless. So there is no limit. Um, I, I'll give anything a go and I usually perfect anything I have a go at. Like, do you know what would be more interesting, a question for your listeners? What am I not good at? I'm not very good in the kitchen, William. I'm not very good at, um, I can't I can't get recipes right, I'm afraid. Yorkshire puddings, forget it. All I can, all I can produce is sad little pancakes that wish they were Yorkshire puddings. That's it. And that, that breaks my heart as a Yorkshire woman. But um, as for stage talents, uh, no, they're endless. And what was your, what was the other bit of your little question? How have I had a gift for healing? Yes, I was just sort of blown over by the fact that you could really touch people and change them. Well, it was something that I always suspected that I was good at. You see, I've always known what's wrong with everyone as soon as I look at them. But it was really during the lockdown that it came into its own because I was streaming every week at 8pm on a Wednesday with my uh, format A Problem Shared, which we have done live on stage internationally and nationally. And um, and I realised that I had a bit of a talent um, for seeing what's wrong with people, looking into the core of them and identifying what was wrong. Simultaneously, I was going on a bit of a period of self-growth myself, you know. Um, oh, yes, I, I, there is work to be done with me, William. People don't believe it, but there is. I've never claimed to be perfect. They're other people's words. So I was looking inwards and seeing how could I grow myself. And it just so happened that this correlated at the time that my own personal wellness guru, Guru Malcolm, uh, retired uh, on the incident of his incarceration at Her Majesty's leisure. This happened more, over 12 months ago, so it was Her Majesty at the time. Okay. And so all of these things cosmically aligned, and I just thought to myself, the universe is sending me a message here. My own guru, 
is sent to prison. The lockdown sees me streaming every Wednesday at 8 p.m. healing the public and my own wellness journey begins. I thought I've got something to do here. I have a, I have a service to perform to the public. So that's what I'm doing with this new show. You're basically just such a giver. You just give, give, give. Until I am raw, William. Oh. I think 2025 and 24 is going to have to be me learning to take. It's going to be less be well and just be okay because you have nothing more to give. I think it's just going to be B. <laughs> yes, just just not even the E, just the letter B. It could just e. be it's yeah. the art of being. <laughs> give me a money and fuck off is basically going to be the new title. Can we put that on the poster? No, we can't. No. Oh, okay. What fine. a disrespectful thing to say to my public, honestly. <laughs> Well, I, I sat within your public and I will say that the reaction was pretty phenomenal on Saturday. I mean, people were laughing from the second you walked on till the very end, particularly the part at the end where you screamed at them to stand up, which I thought was incredibly humble of you. And I just wanted to say thank you for finding such a genuine connection with your audience. I could see a little bit of hesitation, William. I could. I could see buttocks rising with hesitation from their velveteen seats. And I thought they need a little bit of encouragement. They need to be told that it's OK to stand up. So I, I gave them permission. I unlocked the key to their self, um, what's the word? The self, um, I'm sorry, I drifted off. Someone sent me a WhatsApp message and I started to read that. You're just bored of me already. It's a natural reaction, oh. don't worry. <laughs> I'm not bored of you already. That happened about 10 minutes ago, but we moved, <laughs> William. I guess I was going to ask, is being on stage where you feel most comfortable writing comedy that you know you can perform a show? Because one thing that I found incredibly, you know, endearing, but also really impressive about you was that the comedy is incredibly funny, but when you're off the cuff and it's just you're sort of going through your Rolodex of jokes and insults, that's where I felt you were soaring and shining. And I wondered, is it nice that you can mix the two? Do you have a preferred one? I guess, where do you most feel at home? Well, I put a script into my shows at the insistence of the people around me. If I had my way, I'd just walk onto the stage and talk to the audience. But apparently the industry requires that you put some flimsy narrative about your dead hamster in the show or something. So, I, I, you know, you've got to put a framework in there. But what my shows are about is meeting the public. And it's about meeting the audience. And every show is different. You know, when did you see the show? Was it Saturday? Saturday evening, yes. You'd have come on another night. It would have been unrecognisable. I mean, <laughs> familiar, but but different. Because the audience is different. And they dictate what happens in the show. Um, so we have a beginning, we have a middle, and we have an end that's always the same. But in the middle, we can go anywhere. And that keeps it fresh for me. And, um, and I don't write shows I, I just go on stage enough until there is a show there so um, you know over over time I'll you know even if it's not in these formatted shows even if I'm just doing something at the Vauxhall Tavern for example uh, and I'm just going on and I just go on with a couple of songs and I sing them and chat to the audience and and over time I notice themes reoccurring or certain lines will stick with me and then after a few weeks you've got a show so that's sort of how I, I sort of exist on the stage, really. Do you feel most at home on the stage? Is that where you feel Myra truly comes to life? What a pretentious question, William. Honestly, I ask you, what what kind of a philosopher do you think you are, William? Have a word. I mean, I enjoy being on stage, but I enjoy being on in the bath. I mean, it depends what you're doing, doesn't it? I mean, if I'm sat in the bathtub trying to tell people what to do with their lives, that's not correct at all. Similarly, if I'm laid on stage with no clothes on listening to a podcast, well, that could be quite conceptual, actually. Is that what you're going to be doing when you listen back to this conversation? <laughs> Probably not be going to be a podcast that I myself personally will listen to. But I wish everyone else that chooses to do this for fun well. What a great advertisement for my podcast. Thank you so much for your kind oh. words. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Saturday, one thing that I loved was that people were very much there. Like, I feel like a lot of people had had the pleasure of seeing you before and had come back and just wanted to interact with you. I love the fact that people weren't, as much as we joke about them being shy about standing up, they wanted to, like, shout stuff out and be involved. Do you like the fact that people want to speak to you and engage with you, or are you like, hold on a second, dickhead, I'm running this show, you just listen? Do you know what, William? I'm going to have to reevaluate my low opinions of you as a journalist because that was a very well-worded question because I get this question a lot in many guises and usually it's presented in the following way. Do you enjoy being heckled? And I always say there is no such thing as heckling in a Mary de Bois show for how can you he heckle someone whom has opened the door of conversation for you? I encourage my audience to talk to me. And like you say, some people come to my shows many times. I get people that sometimes they come every night and I learn their names via social media. I get to know them. And so um, a relationship um, forms. And I don't know if at the beginning of the show, I can't remember if I did this on Saturday, but often I will say to an audience who has seen me before, and there's a cheer. And then I'll say, who has never seen me before? And there's a cheer. And that is me finding out where I need to put an eye for the rest of the show. Because what I don't want to do is just talk to the regulars and everyone else feels like they're on the other side of a clique. Hmm. So whenever I say, who's never seen me before, there'll be a huge cheer. And I'll look at the people in the audience and I make sure I know where they're sat so I look at them. And if they're near the front, I'll go and talk to them for a bit as well. And then they become regular admirers. You know, that's my pet name for them, the admirers. And um, and then they become regular admirers. And so they start coming back and, and the cycle continues. So I do, I'm very lucky to have people that like to come and see me lots and lots. What about if somebody's a nervous and admirer? What if if they're a bit like, oh, I'm going to go see the show and I want to observe, but then they end up in perhaps a little closer to Myra, perhaps they even end up on the stage. What happens when people are a little nervous of, you know, just being in your aura, in your presence? Well, I'm very good with people. Uh, William, so I am, um, you'll know this, you'll know this already from this brief interaction, you'll be thinking to yourself, isn't she good with people? So I am very good at talking to someone and then gauging what they're up for. 
So if I start talking to them and I notice after a sentence or two, they're not giving me much, I won't shame them. I won't say anything. I won't draw attention to it. I shall just move on to someone else. And uh, similarly, uh, someone was invited up onto the stage, I think it was on Friday, and I said, please welcome to the stage so-and-so. And the person just sort of shook their heads and waved their fingers. And I just went, nope, all right then. No, nope, they don't want to. And that's perfectly all right. And then we found someone else that did want to come up on the stage. So you just, and it's like any conversation, isn't it? You can't give everyone else the same energy and the same treatment. You've got to work with whatever energy you're receiving back with someone, I think. What energy are you getting back from me right now? I think you're swearing to seem a little cooler than you actually might be. You're throwing around these vulgar words and people can't see the olive fleece that you're wearing that I can see. It's, it's not the outfit of an edgy personality, William, I'm afraid. Um, but I think you're well-meaning, William. I think you're showing off because you want to connect with me and I'm allowing that to happen despite your many missteps. I'm just looking at a photograph of you with your mouth open staring at me, which is quite intimidating. So I'm glad that you're maybe getting a little more for me than just an open mouth. That, William, is a smile. And I can understand why you can't recognise one. You okay. probably don't get many in your direction, do you, love? Definitely. <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's... Oh, this is going so well. Okay, what question can I ask next? I know I wanted to ask you. On Saturday, one, seeing this show live, I loved the fact that people left feeling like you'd really bettered their life. Do people tell you how Myra has truly changed them? And in particular, with this show and going on tour, the fact that you have hopefully bettered a person, you know, you'd, you'd given some of your talent to them to take with them? I don't think talent's transferable, William. But I do think that um, you do, the people leave, have, like I said, people come to my shows lots of times and they leave and you become something to them. And that's rather precious. And I've been invited to perform at weddings for couples before that have met in my audiences, you know. Wow. Um, and that's always very lovely to hear. And there was one particular wedding that flew me from another country where I was on holiday because they met at one of my gigs and it po couldn't possibly be any other entertainment at their wedding. So um, that's hugely flattering to know that I'm a big part of their lives, a much bigger part than they are in mine individually. But collectively, my audience are a huge part of my life, you know. But um, it does, you do, a relationship does form and you do find yourself affecting people and touching people, you know. I thought that we weren't allowed to touch. Ah, well, I was talking about the emotional touching. And again, then you probably don't get in your direction often. So I can understand why you're a bit literal with that, William, my love. Emotion is a 2024 sort of dream for me. But thank you for reminding me of my goals. You're welcome. One thing. Oh, I was going to ask, by the way, that wedding, was that one of those weddings that you say is not a, quote, real marriage? Was it between two people of the same <laughs> sex? Let's just say God wasn't smiling on them on that day. <laughs> Sorry to name drop on your podcast like that, but... Um... Have you got a direct line to God? Is he somebody that you can call up? Oh, I've been told to keep that to myself, my love. Okay, okay. all right, fine. All fine. I would say is he's got the codes. What does it mean for the fact that you do have an audience outside of lovely metropolitan London and the fact that you get to probably, I imagine, learn stuff about people in the location that they're in, you know, about what life's like probably for a load of young gays locally to them? Does does that mean a lot to you? It means a lot, William. It does, because sometimes I'll be, let's pick somewhere on the top of me, Swindon, Swindon, just came to me, Swindon. Okay. I'll be backstage, William, this is true, picture me, William, behind the velvet drapes of the Wivens Arts Centre in Swindon. Okay. And I should be behind there. And I'm looking forward and I can hear the hum of the people of Swindon. I can smell it too. The people of Swindon beyond that caged curtain. And I think to myself, William, in that moment, what did I do to deserve this? 
Because you're right, William, it's an honour. It's an honour to go out and meet people and, and meet them on their level, people that are thriving in their lane, even if that lane is very off-road. So, um, and you do meet lots of different types of people and different types of cultures. And I must say, the globalisation of the world, it means that there's not much difference between places anymore. I was in Melbourne in Australia last year for about a month, and I could have been in Coventry. I could have, the concrete, the rain, I could have been in Coventry. I think Melbourne, out of all of the Australian cities, is the one that most identifies as British because it never stops raining. Poor Melbourne. So there's not much difference with places. And journalists, especially ones from the regions, from the provinces, they're usually keen to say to me, Mara, what is it that makes it special about coming to Swindon? And it breaks my heart to say, well, not very much, because the town planners have done their damage, haven't they? Everywhere is a pedestrianised town square now with, you know, the hollow shell of a top shop, the, the, the remains of a Thornton's, you know? Mm. And the only thing, the only beacon of the high street still flashing, a cards factory outlet. And that could be Swindon, it could be Newcastle, it could be anywhere. Most towns are the same now. Can I ask you about some of the titles of your shows? Because I know that I believe having seen you live that you said that you may be partially responsible recently for a, a trend of a pandemic where you died and then everybody else followed suit. Was your funeral a title that you wanted to bring out at that time? Was that you predicting the future? Yes, in 2019, I did a show called be, uh, Dead Funny. I should have called it Be Dead, shouldn't I, following the trend of my current show title, but we can't do things retrospectively. So I did a show called Be... Uh, no, I did a show called Dead Funny, and it was a um, a, a sardonic side-eyed look at funerals at the time. And this was pre-pandemic, of course. And um, it was I was thinking about what... You know what I said earlier about people insist on a framework for a show, and I thought, well, what, what exists that has already has a natural framework that would be easily copied? And then I thought, funerals. So, and I've been to a few. So um, so I thought to myself, I'll, I'll do a few. I'll do my own funeral for a laugh as a bit of a gimmick. Because the show before that was a Christmas show that I did in August. So, you know, it was just sort of like an avenue to have a bit of silly fun. I did it at Edinburgh 2019. It went very well. The um, the programmers for the Sydney Opera House saw it and they booked it for a fortnight in Sydney. So I took it to Sydney. That was in February 2020. And then just a month later, everyone died. So I, I, I thought, oh dear, I've lit the torch paper. I forget how, how much people look up to me and want to be me and copy me. So much so that they're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice sometimes. Did you at Eddie Port, by the way, get COVID? I did. I got it twice. I got it while I was in death drop. I was doing, I think I brought down Latrice Royale because I was, um, we were the last two to get it in the whole cast. And uh, Death Drop was a murder mystery play that was on the West End in 2021, for anyone that doesn't know, written by Holly Stars, produced by Trafalgar Entertainment at the Garrick Theatre, and um, starred me, Latrice Royale. Willem and then some other more affordable cast members <laughs> and one of them got COVID came into the building gave it to everyone else me and Latrice were the last two standing then Latrice and I recorded a podcast together we were sharing one microphone and the next day we went down so I brought down Latrice or she brought down me I don't know which way around it was with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to ask you about theatre because, of course, this is a theatre podcast. And while performance is a huge part of your life, you are a big lover of theatre as well. You obviously knew deep down the real reason why Eleven is called Eleven. Has theatre always been a big love of yours? Um, I think so. I can certainly re- recall the first time I ever stepped foot in one. It was a pantomime. It was Aladdin at the Rotherham Civic Theatre. And I don't know why I can remember that so um, prominently, but I can. And then I remember going a little further afield as my legs began to stretch further down from the pleated skirt from which they protruded. I would shut off my little clerk shoes to Sheffield and uh, watch the shows at the Lyceum Theatre and uh, occasionally the City Hall. And uh, and then occasionally I'd find myself in Bradford at the Alhambra. And then eventually I found myself on a coach to London's West End and I saw all those gorgeous shows down there on the glittering West End. And I've seen shows on Broadway. I, I would say, I don't know. I don't know what it is about theatre. It's the act of storytelling, for sure. But it's also the uh, sensation of immersion. And I don't mean immersive theatre now in some bloody arts ed graduate is going to come up to you and start acting at you in an aggressive way that you have to cooperate with. No, I mean, like you're just absorbed into the world that's presented on the stage and it seeps out and it permeates, you know, and whatever you're watching, whether it's, you know, the glass menagerie and you're you're watching and you're there, you're in that world that Tennessee, is it Tennessee Williams Mm -hmm. has painted? You're you're, you're in that room with those characters. Nothing else matters. You don't think about the programs and the bar and the people sat next to you. And it's, it's that, it's that complete absorption. And, you know, when I go to a theme park, my favorite bit of a theme park is always the dark rides. So like the haunted house or, you know, that sort of thing, because it's theater. It's pulling you into a world. It's drawing you into the universe that's been laid out and created in front of you and I think that's the most thrilling thing so it is the act of storytelling but it's also how it's done and how it pulls you in so I I love a depends what mood I'm in as well I might be in the mood for a bit of theatre which is what I like to call the people in normal clothes singing about their feelings so yeah you're next to normals you come from a ways you know or I might want to see Quinn in a staircase you know your 42nd streets your sunset boulevards so I mean it's 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 a it's a wide scope of things and I like all of it for those reasons do you like Myra playing other characters for example when you did Death Drop do you like the fact that you can escape to a different world or do you prefer just living in a bubble of Myra? I mean I don't mind I play characters all the time because I play I do pantomime every year Last year, I played the Wicked Queen in Snow White, which was a lot of fun. This year, I should be playing the giant's wife, Mrs. Blunderbore, which is a, a very different character. So, um, so no, I enjoy it. I like looking for routes to connect with the audiences in different ways. And then, of course, the joy of pantomime is that you occupy two realities, don't you? You occupy the reality of the storyline and the reality of the room. So when we did Snow White, we were in this ancient kingdom and we were in an old castle, but we were also at the South End Cliffs Pavilion. And so every so often you can slip out from the scripts and say something knowing and, you know, give a little wink to the audience. And I enjoy that that very much as well. You referenced the Sheffield Lyceum Theatre there. Can I talk about myself for a second? I've actually performed on that stage. Can you believe that? And I can actually, because I know they have lots of community events there. Yes. Lots of amateur productions uh, make their way to its stage. So I can believe it, William, yes. Yes, I was in Acorn Antiques. And can I say, I was really good. I'm sure you're the one to say it, my love, yeah? Yes. Well, Victoria Wood came to see it. it. Who did you play in Acorn Antiques? 
third chorus man from the back. And what was your what was your motivation? What 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 was your uh, inspiration? What was your drive? What was on the mood board for your portrayal of third chorus member from the back? Thank you for asking. I think I think my main inspiration was that I wanted to secretly be Celia Imri in Acon Antiques, but realised that perhaps I didn't have the legs for the dress. So okay. I was I was giving just finished his paper round, waiting for his tea, just happened to be an acorn shop, uh, an antique shop called Acorn Antiques. How about that? Okay, okay. Well, I'm sure you dazzled, man, love. I'm sure when people land that role now, they think I am in the huge footprint of William J. Connolly. I was saying your name with gravitas there. I wasn't re reading it from the Zoom because I'd forgotten it. Don't worry. Oh, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Oh, it does say my name. No, you're right. Because I thought, oh, she remembered. But no, you're just reading half the I script. I did remember, my love. I didn't read it. How dare you even suggest yeah. it? I wanted to just talk to you about just generally the world of performing. I know we've spoken about the importance of theatre. We spoke about and the importance of getting to connect with members of the public. But for you, when you're in that moment on stage, when there is nobody else but the attention on you, I'm always curious as to what that feels like for varying performers. And it's always a really different answer, which I'm very curious about. So what is it like when all eyes are on you when you are live on a stage? Um, I don't know. And that's what what a what a underwhelming answer for such a probing question. But I honestly don't know. And I was thinking and scanning and trying to recall just then. And I think I'm often so in the moment that I don't think to log what it feels like. Or maybe the answer is that it just feels so perfectly natural to me now as an instinct. I, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years now, that I don't um I don't see it as a a a, a you um I don't see it as a an extraordinary state of being it's like trying to ask me how I feel when I'm in the queue at the post office you know so um that's something I shall think about I don't know because like I said my shows are very conversational so it just feels like I'm talking to people but it's certainly um it just feels normal it's that might not be the most exciting answer William J Connolly but it is a true answer it just feels normal and truth is all I'm looking for. So thank you for a truthful answer, even if not a particularly exciting one. You're welcome. I'm working with what I'm given. This is always my favourite question to ask, because I think during these conversations, we touch upon what people are talking about at the moment, where they're at in their career. And I think sometimes what we perhaps fail to acknowledge to ourselves, and I certainly do this, is some of the great successes that we've had and touch points we've had throughout our respective careers. And the fact that we're achieving what is so often seemed unattainable so many years before that. And so I wondered, you referenced the fact you've been doing this for 15 years. If you think back to you know, call it day one as Myra, Myra's first day in the industry, sort of first day at school. What would the varying levels of success that you've had and the fact you've achieved, I imagine so many goals and the fact you can tour the country in such a hugely successful way. What would all of this meant to day one Myra way back then, 15 years ago? Well, I think uh, little Myra, little baby Myra would have been quite moved. But I do think that what I'm learning over the years as I advance through life is that success certainly can't be measured in any metric other than happiness. And it doesn't matter whether you have a career churning out blockbuster Hollywood film after blockbuster Hollywood film if you are miserable. And I found myself in certain situations where I think to myself, come on, enjoy this Myra. Little Myra would have loved this. But the truth is that adult Myra is not. 
And so what I'm learning is success is measured in happiness and I will do what makes me happy. So now, from now on, I will only work with venues who I support and who I feel supported by. I will only work with people who I support and feel supported by. And I will only do jobs that make me feel happy and make the audience feel happy. And so I'm not interested in clawing my way through some industry laid out map of ladders to get to this top rung that we all seem to be clambering for. I'll take sidesteps. I'll go down a rung if I want. I'll go and work in some venue that everyone else turns up their nose at if it makes me happy to be there and it makes people happy to see me there. And so that, for me, is a successful career. And it's also a sustainable successful career because you're not always trying to clamber up to something i mean if you look i'm going to get i'm going to get deep with you here for a minute william j connolly without mentioning any names if you look at the people who are being exposed as sexual predators and abusers and manipulators at every corner of the industry is that an industry that you want to play the game of is that something you want to cooperate and be complicit in or do you just want to create shows that make the audience laugh and the beautiful thing about modernity is that we have social media maybe not twitter because that's owned by one of the worst ones sorry x x but um but we you know you can reach these audiences now without the infrastructure of the establishment so success has to be measured in happiness and you have to do what makes you happy people around you happy and that you're not being complicit in an industry that is destroying other people that's what i would say to little myra william j connolly myra de Bois, good luck on tour it's a phenomenal phenomenal show very 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 thank you very much and do tag me uh, in all the socials I will share this to my to my disciples, my love, and the the name on everybody's lips will be Eleven, the official theatre podcast. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.